0: Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Hallelujah. Our Redeemer lives, and we are so blessed that the tomb is empty. It's Easter and we're celebrating the fact that our King Jesus is alive and well and He's seated at the right hand of the Father, continuing His high priestly ministry for all of us, interceding on our behalf. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful weekend to celebrate our risen King. I'm going to pray. We're going to get into the Word of the Lord together and I want to encourage you guys in your homes and your gathering places, wherever you're at right now, make sure to tune out distractions. You know, I know when I'm home and I'm trying to watch things, especially with things that pertain to the things of God, that distractions are aplenty, that the kids are running around, maybe your your stomach might start growling or, you know, different things like that. Make sure to tune out distractions. Make sure you're ready to receive from the word of the Lord. Come on, parents, make sure to set an example for your children. They may not have the attention span, and that's okay. That's why we have our children's ministry prepared for them. But maybe you can gather them and just let them know this is time for church, and we're going to minimize distractions at this time. We're going to get into the word of the Lord. It's going to be rich. going to be alive, and we're going to love it together. We're going to say amens. We're going to be prepared to receive what God has for us. So why don't we pray together? Let's believe God for his anointing and for what he wants to do in our lives together today. I'm going to get down on my knees and pray. Why don't you guys join me praying in your homes together right now? Father, we're so grateful that we can gather together today as the body of Christ. Lord, we may be decentralized from church in the walls of this building but God I thank you Lord that the church is gathered today in your name. Father this weekend we remember that our Lord Jesus Christ that he was crucified after his suffering that he died and that Lord he went to the grave but he didn't stay there God we're so grateful that he is raised again to life and that he's ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so now, Lord, it's in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, as we open up the word, the bread of heaven, the word of life, God, we pray that you would come and minister this word to our hearts. God, we pray that you give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that have a good understanding. May we be the good ground where the word is sown, and may it produce fruit in each and every one of our individual lives. Truly today, Lord, we have not come to hear from a man. Oh, God, we we don't want to hear from the ideas and the philosophies of man. We've heard enough of that, God. Don't want to hear from a tall man, a short man, black man, white man, brown man, old man, young man. God, we don't want to hear from those things. Oh, no, Lord, we want to hear from you. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that you are the teacher of the church. Give us eyes that see, God, to, to the things that you've done for us, the redemption that you've paid. God, to see into the word of God and guide us, direct us, and motivate us. Give us your vision, your wisdom, your instruction, even the direction that we need for our lives, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We don't just pray this blessing upon ourselves. Oh, no, Lord, we want to pray for all of the churches, God. It's Easter weekend, and your body is gathered together this weekend, looking into the things of God. So bless the churches, God. Bless all of them that are gathered. Bless every home, God, every gathering, Lord. In your name today, God, we pray for the body of Christ, Lord. Bless the persecuted church. Watch over them. Encourage them. Deliver them, Father God. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that all of us together as one body with one voice are glorifying and praising you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. We're all in agreement. We say, Amen. Amen. Well, today get your Bibles and go with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter number 24 of the Gospel of Luke. The title of this Easter weekend message 2020 is Be Restored. Be Restored. We all know this story, and so I just want to kind of set the stage. The Bible tells us that Jesus came and he lived among us, is born of a virgin. He lived out the prophecies concerning him. He opened the blind eyes. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He opened deaf ears. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, the Bible says. And that in his lifetime, he lived the perfect life. He never sinned. And the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that he became the substitutionary sacrifice. He qualified to be the Lamb of God slain for our sins that he went to the cross and he died. And in Luke's gospel, we find that there were certain women who followed him throughout his ministry, even in Galilee. Now when Jesus had his ministry there by the Sea of Galilee, these women were were following him and and some had been delivered and they had heard his teaching. Some of them even supported him financially in his ministry. And now in Luke chapter number 24, Jesus has died. He's gone to the, the, the grave now. And the day of Saturday... The Sabbath day has now passed, and they couldn't go out and they couldn't do any work on the Sabbath day. They had to rest, and I believe that that was God's setup because he knew that Jesus had to stay in the grave during that time, and so these women were prepared to go and take spices and ointments, and they were going to prepare the body of Jesus for burial because they didn't realize what he had spoken to them, that he would be raised again on the third day. And it says in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse number one, I'm going to read down through verse number seven. It says, now on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Verse number two, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Verse number four, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These were angels that just appeared. Verse number five, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse number six, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Verse number seven saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. See, they were reminded of the things that Jesus had already spoken to them. And they were so excited that they ran there from the tomb and they went and they told the disciples about it. And the disciples ran to the tomb and they found out it was just like the woman had said. And, and the Bible records these encounters with Jesus. In fact, there were other men in Luke's gospel in the 24th chapter, if you want to drop down, It talks about how these two men were walking on the road, and they were having a conversation, and they were just bummed. Can I say it like that in in our modern-day terminology? They just were bummed out. They were like, man, this stinks. I I really don't like this. Uh, Jesus, we had so much hope. Uh, We thought he was the Messiah, and yet they crucified him. This is terrible. These are terrible times. And a man comes up, and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they say, are you a stranger? Do you not know the things that have been happening here in Jerusalem and, and what happened with Jesus? And look at what it says in Luke chapter 24 verse number 19 I'm going to read through verse number 21 Luke chapter 24 verse number 19 Jesus is speaking they don't know it's him yet and he said to them what things so they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people verse 20 and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him verse 21 but we were hoping that it was he who is going to redeem Israel. Everybody at home, I want you to say this word. Say, redeem. Say it again. Say, redeem. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. See, they didn't have the understanding of what was taking place yet. They had not yet understood the revelation that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. It was the third day, and they were hoping that everything would be fulfilled, but maybe they thought that he was going to come riding in on a white horse. Maybe they thought that he was going to come and wipe out the Roman Empire. Maybe they had thought that he would come crashing down out of the clouds or something like that. And yet, here Jesus comes just like he came on Christmas morning, just like he came silently and quietly here he shows up and they don't even realize it's him the Bible goes on to say that Jesus rebuked them in their unbelief and he started to 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 preach the scriptures to them and the Bible tells us that their their hearts burned within them when he was speaking and and the Bible says he would have gone further but they said hey you need to come and have dinner with us and there he eats with them and when he breaks the bread their eyes are open and they realize oh my goodness it's Jesus and he disappears from their sight only to show up again later behind locked doors with his disciples. Jesus starts to reveal himself, starts to show them. He goes on and, and, and gives them his commandments and tells them what's about ready to take place, to wait in Jerusalem until the church is birthed when the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. But they didn't understand that Jesus indeed did redeem them. See, in order for there to be a restoration, there first had to be a Redemption. Then there had to be a resurrection. And then finally, there had to be a restoration. And we don't understand these words oftentimes, like redemption. These are kind of church words, kind of Christianese words. We don't really know what these things are talking about. So what is redemption? Because if there's going to be a restoration, if you're going to be restored this Easter weekend, what does that even mean? Well, let's start with redemption. Redemption means release and liberate by payment of a ransom. Once again, redemption means to release and liberate by payment of a ransom. See, you may not have known this, you may not have understood this, but Jesus had to come and he had to redeem you. He had to liberate you with a payment, and that payment was his very life. Why was that? Here's the reason why because God created us in a perfect environment. You know the story of Adam and Eve. That's not just a fairy tale. That's not a fable. That's the reality that God came to the earth. He created everything. And He created the man and the woman. They were perfect. And they had perfect communion with God. They were in relationship with God. They walked with God. They saw Him face to face. And yet, when man sinned, when he transgressed the commandment of God, there was a breach. Man spiritually died at that moment and all of our works, in our flesh. And the Bible says even in our heart that we were bent on evil continually. That it was a part of our nature that we were sinning. The Bible tells us that we were at enmity with God. What does that mean? That there was a war that was going on. And that we were bound, that we were enslaved, that we were locked up in a prison of sin. We were locked up under the fear of death by the devil. And so in order for us to be released, there had to be a redemption. There had to be a price that was paid. And that price was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus had to go to the cross. Why? Because he had to redeem us. And the only thing that could redeem us was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not with anything else, but it was with the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that the price was paid. And the price was costly. The price was costly. It cost Jesus his very life. It cost God his one and only begotten son. The price was costly. First Peter chapter number one says this. It says knowing. See, we ought to know this stuff. We ought to understand these things about our salvation. Knowing that you were not redeemed. Everybody say redeemed. Say it again. Say redeemed. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. See, that wasn't a high enough price paid for your life. All the silver and all the gold on the earth could not redeem the soul of a man. It had to be the life of God himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. That sin nature from Adam was passed down to Seth. And that that sin nature was passed down through the, the, the bloodline all the way through Noah, all the way through our ancestors. It went throughout everybody. We had a terminal blood disease called sin. And we receive that by tradition from our fathers, all of us. Verse number 19, you weren't redeemed with those things, but verse number 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He was perfect. Verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times. Look at this, for you. Jesus went to the cross and he died for you and he died for me, Why? So that he could redeem us. So that he could pay the price for our sin. Verse 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. See, we don't put our hope in a man. We don't put our hope in a system, in a government, in an institution. No, we put our hope and our faith in God. There's a story that I like about a man who was walking home late one night and as he was walking home, he went to the corner of a street where there was a street lamp. And there was a little boy frantically looking around, and he was looking everywhere, and, and, and he could tell that, that he was a little bit concerned. And so he went up to the boy, and he said, son, son, what are you doing? And the boy said, I'm looking for my quarter. I lost my quarter, and I can't find it anywhere here. And he, the man started to look around with him and took a look around, couldn't find it anywhere. He says, hey boy, do you remember the last place you saw your quarter? And he says, oh, yeah, I do. It was right over there. And he says, then why are you looking over here? He says, because there's no light over there. See, the boy was scared to go where there wasn't any light, and so he was looking only where the streetlight was, only where he had safety, only where he had what he felt was a sense of security. See, the world has been looking for answers. The world has been looking for salvation. They've been looking for hope. They've been looking for life in all these other places, and yet they don't want to go to the dark place. What's the dark place? You know, when you climb the road to Calvary, it's a very dark place. When you come face-to-face with Jesus on the cross, it is a very dark place. In fact, the Bible records that the sky itself was darkened when Jesus was crucified. Oh, my goodness, staring face-to-face with the perfect lamb of God, who was crucified, who was beaten, who was slain because of our sin. That's an ugly truth. That's a hard truth. That's a dark reality. But that's the only place that you will find true and eternal life. You will not find it where you're comfortable. You will not find it in sex and drugs and experiences and all these other things. You're not going to find it on the internet. You're not going to find it in other people. No, salvation alone is found in Jesus Christ. Redemption alone can be found in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The price was costly. We've got to stop looking other places for hope. Start looking to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is where we find the love of God, the payment for sin, and the path to eternal life. But not only was the price costly, the effect is continual. The effect of that redemption is continual. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected. The fact that Jesus raised again to life means that death no longer has hold on him. There is no more power in the grave. The Bible records, oh, death, where is your sting? See, Jesus came and he defeated death. He defeated the grave and it no longer has hold over him. Now he has the power of an endless life. Because Jesus came and he died and he was raised again, he can die no more. Hebrews chapter number nine and verse number 12 talks about our redemption once again. The Price that was paid for our sin. And it says in Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 12, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. What is the most holy place? That's the presence of God in heaven. That is the most holy place. That is the reality of where Jesus went. Look at this. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So you know Jesus is not coming back to go to the cross again. He was crucified once for our sins. And the power of that crucifixion, the power of that death, that burial, and now the power of the resurrection is eternal. It is complete. It is finished, Jesus cried out on the cross. What does that mean? That means the price was paid, the work of redemption was finished, and now he went to the grave, and now he's raised again to life, and now he has the power of an eternal, endless life. He holds our life. In his hands. I heard the story of a man who was caught up in a religion in a remote part of the world. He heard the gospel message and gave his life to Jesus Christ. When his friends and his family heard about what he had done, they questioned him about his decision. Why would you want to become a Christian when we're all this other religion? And his response was this Suppose you're traveling down a road and you come to a fork in the road, and there are two men there at the fork in the road. One of them's dead, and one of them is alive. Who would you ask for directions? See, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He is resurrected. He is now alive forevermore. And now we can get direction for our life from him. If you want to know how to do life, man, just go to the word of God. Just go to Jesus. Just pray and ask God, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do with my life? God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? How do you want me to act, God? And Jesus, the great shepherd, will lead you, he will guide you, he will give you wisdom, he will give you provision, everything that you have need of. Why? Because he's alive. He's not dead. He's not buried in the grave. Those other world religions that were started by man, guess what? All of their founders are dead and in the grave. But the tomb is empty of Jesus Christ. It was a borrowed grave. You want to know why it was borrowed? Because he wasn't staying long. He had to get up out of there and he had to go up to the right hand of the Father where now he continues his ministry as our high priest. He's the one that gives us the directions for life. The effect is continual and it will never change. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But the last thing that I want to bring to your attention this weekend is that the reach of this redemption is complete. Its reach is complete. What does that mean? This redemption, this resurrection, and this restoration that we have where we can come back into that fellowship with God like the garden experience, where we can walk with God, where we can talk with God, where we can get direction for life. That's true restoration. And this restoration is for everyone. No one gets left out of this. We all are included in this death. The Bible says that we judge thus that if Christ died for all, then all died. And now we no longer look at life according to the flesh, according to the natural, according to the sin and the stain and the death that we were once in. No, now we look at it according to Christ. And we see that there are people who still need to be reconciled to God. They need to add up the facts of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And they need to realize that they need to come and be reconciled to God. And now we have that ministry to bring others into this because it's for everyone. It's for your neighbor. It's for your family. It's for your friends. It's for your co-workers. It's for black people and white people and brown people and Asian people. It's for American Indian people. It's for all the people of all the nations of the earth. This is for everyone. It's, for young and it's 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 for old. Uh, Guess what? It's for the educated and for the uneducated. It's for the men and it's for the women. It's for all of us. It is universal. It's for all of mankind. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection now is offered to all this restoration process that God has given us to come back into relationship with the Father is for everyone. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 9, they sang a new song to the Lord saying this, you are worthy to take the scroll And to open its seals. For you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. What is heaven going to be like? Well, there's some things that we do know from the Bible that heaven is going to be like. And one of the things that I love about heaven is it's not just going to be a bunch of white people. It's not going to be just a bunch of black people or a bunch of Mexicans or a bunch of Asians or anything like that. Heaven is going to be a beautiful mix of all of the nations, all the tribes, every language, every people group. It's all going to be represented there in heaven. God has a great big family, and we're no longer different bloods, different tribes. No, now we are one blood. We are brought together by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this gospel is for everyone. This is for the whole world. This is for all of humanity humanity. God wants us all to come into this wonderful family and this wonderful relationship with God. And yet there are still people that reject the message. And there are still people on the earth who don't know about this gospel message. Maybe this weekend you've heard this story before. Maybe this weekend you've heard about the resurrection. You've heard about the death and the burial of Jesus Christ before. And yet you didn't realize that you had this wonderful opportunity available to you. I'm reminded of the story and this is a true story about a man by the name of Hiru Onada. He was a Japanese soldier in World War II. He enlisted just a year before the war ended and he was sent to a Filipino island called Lubang Island. And while he was there his command was to disrupt the enemy forces to 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 do as much damage as he could and that he was not to let down. He was to go faithful unto death. And so he continued his own personal war even after the Japanese surrendered to the American forces. He continued to to fight and continued to take out people and continued to burn villages and homes and, and, and farms and different things like that from the jungles. He would come out every now and then. He was with two other guys for a while, but those two other guys eventually were killed in combat. And he continued to live out his life for 29 more years after the war had ended. He was holed up, and finally an explorer went out and found him and befriended him and and got his trust, gained his trust, and created a meeting with his commanding officer. And Jairo Onada would not stand down until his commanding officer came and told him, the war is over. There's a ceasefire. You need to surrender. He was pardoned by the Filipino president at that time, and he came back and got back into life in his homeland eventually. It's an amazing story when you think about it, that for 30 years this man fought a war alone, by himself. A war that he didn't have to fight, a war that had already been over. And yet how many people today are fighting a war against God that doesn't need to be fought? Because Jesus came and he ended the war. Jesus came and he himself is our peace. The fact that Jesus went to the cross and died for you And your place means that God is not mad at you. That God does not want a war with you. And you don't have to fight against him any longer. No, you can lay down your arms. You can come and be received into the kingdom of God. You can come and be reunited and restored in fellowship with God. And that's why the title of this message is Be Restored because God wants you to be restored to relationship with him. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, Please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.